Hey there, music makers. I'm Hayes Griffin. I'm Magnus Sedlum. And welcome to Mandolin Secrets Live, a bi-weekly show where we take a deeper look at what's happening in the world of mandolin secrets. Each episode, we'll tackle our question of the week, unpack the latest mandolin secrets lessons, and answer your questions about mandolin, guitar, and all things music. In this week's episode, we'll be discussing our question of the week. Uh, actually, we've got three this week. Do you have a successful practice routine you'd like to share? Do you play Good any non-mandolin family? Yeah, that's a great one, right? <laughs> yeah. Do you do you play any non-mandolin family instruments? If so, which ones? Mm. And do you ever use alternate tunings for the mandolin? We're also going to yeah. be looking at a new lesson that I released uh, on the Mandolin Secrets page this past week for It Don't Mean a Thing If It Ain't Got That Swing. Um, and uh, bef- before we dive into all of that stuff, though, <laughs> be sure to head to mandolinsecrets.com forward slash live to sign up for reminders about our upcoming streams. And if you can't tune in live with us, never fear. Just search Mandolin Secrets Live on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to get updates when we release a new episode. We are out on all the major platforms now, folks, so we'd love to, to meet you at your preferred location. Yeah. But yeah. uh, I think Magnus has got a, a little question here for us to kick things off, though. What's going on, Magnus? Yes, here's the thing that's on my mind right now. I want to know if do you notate music? If there are some listeners here with a slide, please put in the comments if you're used to that. And my follow-up questions, do you do this on paper or do you get a, like a digital solution for it? And maybe even if there's some software you can recommend. And I have a very... Actually, I, I'm. this is the question that's been on my mind that I want to ask I want to pick your brain about this, Hayes, because I know you got some experience, right? Definitely, this uh, is kind of uh, right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you. I mean, you, you're like even ran, ran like a transcribing business, right? Exactly. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so uh, people would people would call and ask me to type all sorts of stuff out on the computer, music notation wise. So definitely something mm-hmm. I. Uh, had to get to know very well. <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. And I want to tell you a little backstory why this has been so present for me right now. And it's like an it's like an urgent question to get to, to sort out basically. But here's the thing: last weekend I played a concert with a big, big orchestra, or not big, big, but like a fifteen people string orchestra. Uh, not the best English right there, but you know what I'm <laughs> what I'm after. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, we were playing with my band, Nordic and the String Orchestra. And they, because we also were rehearsing for two days. And while rehearsing with the orchestra, they are always referring to the score, right? They're reading music all the time. With my band, we're not reading music at all, basically normally so they they send me so when doing rehearsing they're okay let's take this part from bar number 72 again and then they just want to like us to kick in right there and <laughs> that's awesome. uh, yeah and who knows what, what, what happens in bar 72 if you don't have the score so so i was responsible with in the band to keeping track of the score, seeing where everything happened. So they sent me these scores, and it was like ten songs, and basically each, like this is like, and they sent me to me digitally. And 
it was um, where was I? Yeah, so this sent me like these PDFs, and it was like maybe ten to twenty pages long each one of them. And I was like, before going there, I was like, should I print all this paper music or? And and all I need it for is to basically find what music is happening in bar seventy two at this song. And That's ridiculous. So you've got like hundreds of pages of music that you would have yes, to like scramble yes. through in order to find yes. like the pickup measure. Exactly. And but luckily I brought my iPad. I like exported it all in there to this like PDF reader basically. And that helped me to to sort out this uh, situation perfectly. I can I could I just well, you know how an iPad works. But it was the first time for me using it for music score. And but so so handy, you know. And it also turned out that that like most people in the orchestra were doing the same thing, keeping their parts in the, at their iPads, this really big big tablets, the pros or what they are calling. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it makes sense honestly because like. I never played in string orchestras before, but mm-hmm. I went to music school, so I was all of my friends played in the orchestra and stuff like that, and I would see them going to rehearsal with like folders, you know, yes, like, yes, like yes. three inches thick, just full of music that they had to keep track of. So I could see that being advantageous and to have all that on an iPad now, right? Exactly, and they they even because they were digitalized, like many of them. And so they also pointed me in the direction for the right... There's, of course, music score apps for the iPad. And I didn't Definitely. have one before, but I now have one. It's called Fourscore. You can, it's just like the perfect way to put all written music. And you can like put all of annotations like music-related yeah, and all things. And it's so organized... And the best thing is, well, here's the thing also. I came there with, because I also prepared actually music for, we were playing this Vivaldi piece. I have written down maybe six pages of my own part, like for this, basically. Yeah. But but the, the, the thing, it was so easy even to like include that one into the app. Basically scanning the, the and all that. So uh, during the rehearsal, during the concerts, I, I went digital, sort of. Yeah. And it was such, it's so organized. And now that I'm like, I know we will do this program again. And everything is like prepared just to go to the gig, sort of. I don't it's have, just there. Yeah. It's just there. I don't have to remember where. And here's the thing. I want to show you this image. Just have a look at this. Uh, so this is for people who are not part, like, uh, I, 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 well, hey, so describe in like 10 words what you're seeing in the image here. I can do it in one word, chaos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's absolute chaos. It just like folders, like spread out all over a desk, like disorganized. Like I wouldn't even know where to dive in to, to figure out what was going on there. You know? No. And I can tell you, it's even on the floor. So when I, you know, you, you know that I, and it's basically, what can it be? Like 30 different folders of music that I collected over the years. 
And uh, when I moved, you know that I moved my studio space very recently. Yes. And, and when I moved the furniture here, I was a bit in a hurry. So I actually just emptied the, the cupboard sort of and brought that one here. And I, I've been thinking about like to sorting out in this sheet music and then bringing the stuff over here. But then I now, re- I now have the tools to actually digitalize all of this. That's so cool, man. That's, yeah, that's kind of, to me, it's liberating, right? Then you can, so, all, all of those books that would, yeah, yeah that would take up shelves now yeah. fit yes. in this much space, right? And you know what? <laughs> and a lot of these folders there were actually printed from like ebooks that I had. So I, I already, I already got rid of maybe half of this without even scanning a single piece of music. Just getting That's rid so of. Cool. So I throw it away here in the last couple of days. I, I, I'm so I, I can reach them digitally, sort of. And so this is a, and of course, I also have to kind of. <laughs> work on my on my habits of keeping things so i'm also trying to sort of throw things away realizing that i, I can never study all this music that i've kept over the years but that that's an that's another story sort of but okay yeah. so but but let me come to the point so i also realized because i really like uh writing music uh on paper I'm kind of like taking notes on paper uh, and sheet music, and then I kind of transcribe it or put it into like my computer and using a finale app or something like that. But, but uh, so I want (laughs) to, Hayes, my question for you is there an music app for the iPad where you can basically use an Apple pen or something like that to put your music in there? Yeah, there are a couple. couple. Um and and I, yeah, I use so th- there's one app that I actually landed on this past year um that for the, specifically for the iPad. Yeah. And that is Symphony Pro. Symphony Pro is a really good one um Symphony. for yeah, for specifically notating music with uh the Apple Pencil because uh-huh. I kind of prefer to write notation that way. I, I know, mm-hmm. so like, I, I think you and I have talked about this before. When I'm notating music at the computer, yeah. I typically use a, a, a program called Muse Score. Yes, I heard you mention. Which, yeah, which is kind of like a, uh, it's an open source program that I love. You know, it's, it's developed for free by a bunch of um, kind of like programmers all around the world that mm-hmm. contribute to this project. Mm-hmm. And it's just now gotten to the point where it's, I would call it just as functional as Finale or Sibelius, any of those like pro level yeah. notation softwares. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one, they, they have an iPad app, but yeah. all that allows you to do is read the scores that you had created from your computer. You can't ah. actually edit them. So I had to find mm. Symphony Pro, but the thing that I love, mm. the workflow is actually still pretty easy because Symphony yeah. Pro, you can write out all of your scores uh, yeah. with your Apple Pencil there yeah, and then export them as music XML into ah, MuseScore wow. on the computer if you want to like add some more specific yeah. kind of formatting or anything like that. 
Um, oh, so that's kind of my workflow now. I take the iPad upstairs <laughs> with me and I sit in front of the window with my cats and notate. And then, wow. you know, I t- take it back to the computer later this... and, and kind of clean it up. Ah, I love this. And I knew I, you were the right person to ask. So because that, <laughs> that's exactly what I was because uh, I actually saw there was a Muse score app. I was about to download it to try it out, but I thought I, w- I must talk about with Hayes about this because I knew because that's exactly what I want to do. If, if I can, this will actually skip one like um, step in my workflow of making a music notation for mandolin secrets, for example. Normally, mm-hmm. I, normally I sit by with my instrument and a piece of paper and I write it down and then sort of. But th- th- this seems like a much better workflow. Because I, I, I could probably export that XML, import it to... I'm using Finale, but but anyway, that would be perfect. Yeah, I, I've got one more solution, too, that mm-hmm. you might try that yeah. I think is cool about uh, MuseScore. Yeah. So if you do prefer... Like, I'm looking at the comments here coming in on Facebook. Darren mm-hmm. Lynch is with us today, and he... He says that he prefers uh, uh, an old sheet of paper. Yeah. You know what I mean? He yeah. likes he likes the feel of the paper. So if you want to continue working with paper, but you also want to digitize these scores, yeah. MuseScore actually has a function where if you scan a picture of the music notation, you have to be really clean when you're writing it out. It can't be sloppy handwriting. No. But if you, if you notate on paper, mm-hmm. you can scan... With any free app on your phone, scan a picture of that to a PDF, mm-hmm. and then in MuseScore, you can upload it, uh, and they have on their website a function that will read written notation and uh, convert it to a digital file, wow. like uh, a music XML. It's not perfect, mm-hmm. but I've seen it. It's getting better. Every uh, time I, I try this out again, it works mm-hmm. better, so I think... The more data we can feed it, the better mm. it will get at like creating these scores. So that's another yeah. option for people out there who might not like to give up their pen and paper. You know? Yeah. Uh, that's brilliant. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm taking notes as we go. Symphony Pro <laughs> is probably the one that I will try because I'm also. I mean, for me, I'm quite like uh, savvy using uh, Finale. So I'm not sure if I'm ready to go to switch my like main pro notation software, but th- this could be like the having like a sketchbook building out the, yeah, exactly, and mm. and that's what uh, what I appreciate the most about it, you know, because yeah. then if you make it in Symphony Pro, you can import it to literally any other notation program, yeah. Finale, Sibelius, mm. MuseScore, Notion, any of them. Wow. So yeah, it's good. Cool, because I mean, Hayes, I know that you have this. Um, I know that you're using the iPad and the Apple Pen for making your beautiful art that you're you're doing, and I know you are transcribing. So I knew you were going to be the right person to ask <laughs> yeah. this. Guy. It's like this guy totally uses that to to make notation. Wow. Well, Fantastic. you taught me. Yes. Fantastic. <laughs> Perfect. That's uh, great, man. Yeah. I got my answer. And I saw I, uh, questions coming in. I can see Karen got a point. I guess I need a bigger screen iPad for reading music. And as I see, like now being in the environment with this orchestral musicians, they had big iPad screens. I used my small one or the normal one, so to speak. I'm not sure how many 
inches it's but the, the, the normal iPad size and if I like tilt it into landscape mode it's actually very smart be because you can have it that way and just when you're like tapping to go to the next page you're only like scrolling down to the bottom of the page sort of yeah so, 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 so that also worked quite well I would say but I uh, but yeah, there, there's a reason for having a bigger screen also. Totally. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely don't think I would want to use my iPad because I have the iPad. It was the first iPad Pro. It's like a 9.7 inch screen, which that gets really tiny. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you're trying to read scores for two hours at a gig, you mm -hmm. know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I'm going to keep the community updated about my process of leaving all this, uh, the, this clatter of music behind me and this is this actually goes i'm not proud of this part of my personality because i'm the the person that creates piles you know back home also so the, the, this can literally uh, i mean i have to work on my habits but just knowing that i can scan something keep it it will help me to get rid of all this clutter. Yeah, I think that's where you and I are maybe similar, my friend. I definitely, I don't think I, I ever threw a piece of music away when I was in college or anything. So I've got no. like over 20 years worth of stuff just like yes it's like I, i'm it's staring at me on my shelf like I, you know if i look at my camera right behind it is the growing mountain of sheet music yeah. so th this will be good for me too <laughs> yeah and i'm not sure what i will do with my books i think i will keep my books uh, for now because it will be a very big scanning project otherwise but but I, I, for all loose pieces of uh, i'm going to get rid of it yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, we can pay uh, Victor to go through uh, your your books and scan those. You know, <laughs> yeah. We could we could gamify it in some way. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like getting points for every uh, second page he goes through, or something like that. Uh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm almost a little bit. I'm out of the the ordinary questions that we were supposed to go into here but let me just uh, i want to get bringing some music into the call so i want to play back this uh, the clip of you playing it don't mean a thing is it oh, good yeah. timing for that yeah i think it's a great time a one two a one two three
exactly. I swear. Yeah, exactly. You, you. There were. There's two more there, right? You okay. know. Uh, as ridiculous as those lyrics are, I swear that was the single most helpful thing to help me like memorize that phrase because it, yeah. it it almost seems like yeah, it's very easy to either end that short or keep going too long. <laughs> you know what I mean when you're when you're playing that line. Um, yeah, yeah, but ridiculous words. <laughs> yeah, but um, for anyone out there, I think you should check out this uh, lesson. It's on our YouTube channel. And I think what's so cool with it, because uh, you're doing this thing there where you're like playing a basic melody and then working towards a harmonized melody. Can you just very quickly tell us what this, what's the difference? Yeah, so for a, a basic melody, I kind of like to think this as something that's as close to... Uh, what a vocalist would sing like if say it's you know Ella Fitzgerald or someone like in front of a big band I think it's really helpful to learn kind of like something that that approximates a vocal rendition of the tune you know just to kind of get your bearings completely on the melody because when I when I think about this like uh, approaches to jazz music and soloing and, and picking these tunes apart to be able to solo on them. If you have what I would call like a clean representation of the melody, that provides a really good point of departure for um, making a melodic solo later. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and to answer the second half of your question, the the harmonized melody yeah. is kind of like, like in my mind, what I do to create that harmonized melody is take that vocal melody we're talking about, take the way that a singer would be able to sing this, but then use some of the specific strengths of my instrument, in this case, the mandolin, yeah. to kind of add some more mandolinistic qualities yeah. to to the, the song that yeah. way. So um, that, that's I actually- feel like... Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, but that's exactly what I'm thinking hearing you play this that that it's because um, it's it's very much like a mandolin version of this song when I'm hearing you doing this using the double stops and all that very very yeah. very different from a horn player or a vocalist as what you refer to yeah right because if you think about I always think that horn players are are the greatest at approximating vocal lines, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're they're an instrument that involves the breath. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to breathe into their phrasing. Um, whereas like mandolins and guitars, I always put those more in like the piano player kind of camp. You know what yeah. I mean? Because we can't exactly phrase all the time like vocalists. So we have to exploit like harmony mm-hmm. and things like that to kind of make it a little more proprietary to the instrument. Yeah. Um, and I have to say too, that if anyone's listening to this, this lesson, uh, I totally am ripping off Jethro Burns in terms yeah. of how I think about creating a, a harmonized version. Because yeah. this is something he did all the time, right? If you yeah. listen to his, uh, Karina Karina is one of my favorite tracks that he mm. did with just like kind of a double stop slash chord melody approach. Um, yeah. So I take a lot of inspiration for him. Yeah, and, him and, and if anyone listening that is not familiar with Jethro Burns, he's like one of the the major like swing mandolin players out there or it's not around anymore but but made some uh, fantastic recordings from well 50s to 70s basically or was it, yeah that's was, 
That's kind of when he was most active, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. You know? So um, definitely worth checking out because he's such a big, um, like, uh, like a milestone player into jazz and swing mandolin. Definitely, and his uh, his kind of protege, uh, Don Steenberg, is still around playing music and stuff too. So if you yeah. want like a uh, a live in person kind of approach mm-hmm. to the Jethro Byrne style. Check yeah. out Don's playing as well. He's an amazing mandolinist. Yeah, we will. We make sure that we put the names and um, and uh, in the description for this podcast so people can find them. Type yeah, them for up. sure. <sighs> All right. What 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 was the next thing that we? Yeah. So let's. Let's dive into some of those uh, questions of the week. So for those of you that, that have been keeping up with this, Magnus and I kind of took a little pause for summer vacation over the last couple of weeks. So we we had a few questions of the week that kind of piled up on us here. Um, and I thought it would be really great to kind of dive into this one. Uh, do you play... We threw this out to our community on Facebook and our Mandolin Secrets community. Um and, and it says, do you play any non-mandolin family instruments? If so, which ones? And that was like, man, you should have seen the like, <laughs> you know, dozens of posts that came in <laughs> down the feed for yeah. that one. It was, it's yeah. great to know though, that, you know, most yeah. mandolin players or a lot of the, our community members are multi-instrumentalists mm, that way. That's, I um, love that. Yeah. It's super yeah. cool. Uh, I saw everything, you know, uh, Guitar was definitely, I would say, mm-hmm. the number two, like the, the number one response for the instrument that they played other than mandolin family stuff. Yeah. Um, and that makes sense. I was a yeah. guitar player before I took up the mandolin. You were a guitar player yes. before you took up the mandolin. So yeah. It's like the, the gateway instrument, right? Yeah. Um, and that actually brings... There were all sorts of... A, oh, yeah. Go no, ahead. No, there were all sorts of instruments. But I also think this is a great opportunity for us to mention this, that... We actually are going to include guitar content uh, here at Mandolin Secrets, both at the, the YouTube channel, uh, the podcast, and also like a membership separate for guitar content. So it, it's something we're putting together right now, and I'm very, very excited about it. Yeah, I couldn't be more excited about it too. Um, the uh, I will be f- done... Uh... Uh, editing our flat picking foundations course today. So, mm. uh, for those of you out there that are interested in that kind of stuff, if you've, you know, had a guitar for a while, but mandolin's your main instrument and you want to dive into some more, um, you know, folk guitar centered kind of stuff or yeah. jazz guitar centered kind of stuff, keep, yeah. keep up with us. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll definitely, um, so to have some goodies for you. Yeah. And the details about it is where we are working to be able to present this in the end of August uh, 2021, if you're listening to this um, after that. but And it's we're calling it the Guitar Club. And it's going to be very focused around like bluegrass guitar, a Nordic folk guitar, Celtic guitar here at the beginning. But hopefully we can also, we will expand it to putting in some blues and some... Uh, swing and jazz music into it so it, it, there, there is so many like possibilities with this because as Hayes just said both me and him are also guitar players so it's a good opportunity for us to to make this thing come alive yeah 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 to share our first love with uh with the rest of you right yeah <laughs> uh that's great 
That's great. Awesome. But <laughs> but yeah, that's that was one of our questions there, and we mm. had tons of responses. Uh, like I said, guitar was number one, but yeah. I saw so much random stuff on there, like like Highland Pipes and. Yeah. Har- harmonica was actually one of the mm-hmm. the top results too and i was yeah. like that makes sense because magnus is a killer harmonica player if you folks haven't heard him uh, i think it's blow some notes on the harp <laughs> yeah but i think it's isn't that like uh i guess the mindset of people picking up the mandolin like some folk and uh, uh, roots kind of stuff so i think it makes sense that we do some blues harp as well yeah definitely definitely <laughs> well that's great that's i think that's all i had yeah. uh, for that one there there was another question that was uh i think the week after that was do you ever use alternate tunings for the mandolin and this one was really interesting um there was only kind of one instance of like because i you know i've told you i grew up in the bluegrass world yeah. and that's kind of where we you know, I, I kind of take a lot of my influences. Mm. The only alternate tuning that I had ever seen there is what a lot of folks refer to as the get up John tuning, because uh-huh. it's the alternate tuning that Bill Monroe used for the tune get up John. Yeah. Um, so that one definitely came up in the thread. And for all of you Mando nerds out there that want to know what the get up John tuning is, yeah. it's actually what we would call a split course tuning. Mm-hmm. So the, the low G strings, you tune one of them down to an F sharp and then one of them up to an A. So yeah. the lowest course set is F sharp A. Yeah. You leave the middle two alone. It's D, D, A, A. And then the top course is A. So you tune it down to an A and then down to a D. Yeah. So it, you end up getting this really weird, spooky sounding D major chord when you play the whole strings open mm-hmm. like that. Um, but that's definitely the the main one. Is this anything that you mess with, Magnus, or have you have well, any experience with? Well, quite interesting. I I tr- I played this song, yeah, "Get Up, John," um, with, yeah. with with like a country band at one point when I was back in school, and I I kind of transcribed, but I didn't know about the tuning. <laughs> that's so, right. Yeah. So. Uh, but I guess I, I came up with more like a single line sort of uh, solo to it. Oh, yeah. but, but once I realized there was a cross tuning happening, it, it made so much sense. Because you get, yeah. especially the melody is happening a lot on, on, the, on the first string. So everything you play up there is, is going to be like in the interval of fourths, right? Yeah. So, so, and that—that that what's make the it's so characteristic hearing him him play that song. Yeah. If it, if you folks haven't heard that out there, if you're not like bluegrass mandolin players, I would highly suggest go and check out Bill Monroe and Get Up John. That's a, a really cool kind of piece of mandolin history. And like Magnus was saying, most people were confused by it forever because they had never <laughs> knew about the tunings no. this is a that's a common problem that i heard all the time man so you're mm-hmm. definitely not alone no um and and for i the one i haven't the one the tuning that i've experimented a little bit is the what used for like celtic players gdad that was that's funny because i have that on my list here as mm-hmm. like 
I wrote down the top one, two, three, five results that people threw out, and mm. that was actually the third result I, uh, yeah. on the list, GDAD. It's, so w- what kind of tunes do you play in that tuning? Well, so I don't use it that often, but there is uh, this uh, like style and tradition of plays like Andy Irvine, uh, yeah. the, the Irish player. He uses that one, and I guess it's because it's a very common tuning for Irish bouzouki. So again, they could reuse their voicings and all that, uh, the fingerings or sort of. To, yeah, to, that makes to, a to lot play. of sense. Yeah, and it's actually, it works great for playing tunes in the key of G and D, of course, having that D on top. So, so Yeah, it, and like the A, D on top, which is like kind of referencing a D chord a little bit, yeah. you know, and then the G, D on the bottom. Yeah. yeah that's, that's neat. Yeah. And... Um, it's actually something I want to include in the academy at some point. Some like cross picking or cross tuning or alternate well, maybe tuning. We'll have to get a do a get up John and then a, your GDAD Celtic thing yeah. going on here. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that was about it for that one. Um, but the last question of the week is one that I really want to at least touch on here before we run out of time on this episode. Yeah. Um, it says, do you have a successful practice routine you'd like to share? And I wish that I could have, like, italicized the word successful when I put it in there. Because I I wanted to see mm. if anyone was kind of like, uh, what do I want to say? If they had a practice routine that they had been doing for a while that they felt yeah. like they were getting results from. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, and, and there were some really great answers. A lot mm-hmm. of folks had good stuff, but I know you're a kind of a practice routine guru, Magnus. Do you have one that kind of works for you? Well, yes, I do have one. And I mean, uh, first of all, that's something I want to say that we want to like doing this and having a practice routine. It also means that we get better at practicing <laughs> week after week, month after month, year after year. And so that's what happens. So it it can be like, I can think back of of like the the practice routines I had when I was at school, at college and things like that. And I I can like regret that I didn't know the things that I knew today because I don't have as much time today as I had back then. But my practice is far more efficient. But but with that said, I think it's an it's a journey that we made every one of us, and we have kind of to adapt these things and and uh, reflect about it constantly. So yeah. so, but um, does that make? Can you feel the same way, Hayes? I think I do. Yeah, like because I don't think I I I, I first off I feel so. Uh, I feel so much just like you when thinking back on my years in school and how inefficient my practice was back then, you know, um, compared to now. And I think part of a successful practice routine is like you just said, is it's, it's dynamic. It can change yeah. to kind of fit your needs as yes. you move forward, right? As yeah. you get better at practicing, yes. you don't need to practice all of the same things that you were doing before. No. You know, you can kind of tighten up your routine and spend maybe a little less time yeah um with just the material that you need you know mm. so i i feel a, a lot of the a lot of the same kind of things as you mm. as you do here i i don't have i kind of break my routine down if i were to 
assign categories to like how I practice every day. Mm. I always start the, there's a jazz guitar instructor named Corey Christiansen. He's a really great jazz guitar player. Um, who one time when I was at a jazz camp, I heard him say that you should start your practice routine by playing something that you know really well that you can just like nail. Yeah. And yeah. I kind of like doing that every day because mm. it helps me build some confidence and mm. feel like super good about just kind of getting in the mindset of going into practice. Yeah. Um, but then after that, I do technical exercises just to get the fingers warmed up. Mm. Um, and then I'll do some, uh, I'll dive into my repertoire there. And in repertoire, you know, what I mean by that is I usually just take one or two tunes and then use those to practice some other kind of concepts that I'm trying to get down at that point in time, whether it's like soloing over two, five, one progressions yeah. or, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but having that kind of general format mm. allows it to change so it can kind of fit what I need to be working on. Yes. You know, whether it's gigs or anything like that. Yeah. And, and I also like to add to that, the word that you need to be working on, also the thing that you want to be working on, right? Because I've seen people have very like fixed routines, like five yeah. minutes of this, five minutes of this, and then in in one hour you can touch upon 20 different things, and then you will... I've seen people like striving for that, and for me, I, I kind of, I want simplicity. So, so like, like Hayes is mentioning there, there's like some different main points that we try to touch upon, but we don't have to like, we don't have to decide the exact time for one thing or, and because uh, that, that, then it can be limiting if you're following it too much like a structured practice routine. So keep it a little bit loose, but try to, and my, my, Okay, I can I can leave three of my tips. The, yeah. the, the first thing is, is the one that I just said. I try to work on things where my desire and my passion is. Because if there's thing, if I'm working on things that that I don't really feel like doing, it's a waste of time. So that's yeah. the, that's the one thing that I try to. And I'm talking from experience here. I've been I've been like forcing myself to work on the things that I need to do that I that, like that and I it turned out it was very slow for me working like that. So that's my first thing, passion and desire. The second thing I try to also I try to touch a little bit on what I I like to mention this as craft training. It can be the technique, it can be scales, arpeggios, that kind of thing and a little bit of repertoire at each session. So maybe so that makes like two things for me to kind of remember. I don't have to remember the whole structure of a but I try to touch upon two things. And the reason for that, I see the craft training that will actually help me to play any repertoire. Sort of. Yeah. But working but only working on that, I will I will, I will never get to the point of playing music. And after all, we want to play music. Who want to listen to someone playing a scale? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not me. Yeah. No. 
<laughs> I, I think I had a third tip that I would have got. Yeah, because this is also... I love what, what Hayes is... is the, his approach of picking up the instrument and play something that you really know well. If I have time, if I have time for it, one thing that I like to do, and this is something I actually mentioned a while ago, that I try to to noodle around for a little bit. Just pick up the instrument and play whatever comes out of my... my not... not Trying to pick and choose too much of what I'm actually playing, but just to see what what can and uh, and by practicing this thing of like letting go, just uh, playing very intuitively, that has actually yeah. improved my creativity. Yeah, that's. Mm. I mean, that's something. The last teacher that I worked with for a while, it. You know, he was like, Hayes, you're doing, you know, you've got all the stuff you need. You've got the harmonic language. You've got, you can play all your scales. You can do all your stuff. You can do all this. Mm -hmm. But I was feeling really uninspired when playing like solos and stuff like that. So he was steering me toward that kind of mindset when practicing. You have to practice that, the creative mindset, yeah. right? Um, that's, that's a really important part of it. You know, mm -hmm. you can't just expect to learn a bunch of scales and learn a bunch of arpeggios and then hope that it falls out when it comes time to create stuff, no, right? No, That's uh, so... And um, uh, that's one way for me to kind of get the creativity sort of going. I love um, that, man. Mm. That's that's great. You're dropping all the gold nuggets here today. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> all the gold nuggets. Yes, but it's been a really, really, really great um, call here today. I can see also people been with us watching. I'm so glad for that. And yeah. to just to, yes, to wrap things up, we've been talking a little bit about the... We went into talking about some iPad apps. And the apps that is worth checking out is the Symphony Pro. And also I mentioned this app called Fourscore, which is a, a place to keep all your written scores, basically. We'll put it links in the description. But I, I just wanted to point that out here before we finish the call. Yeah, that's great, man. Well, all right, music makers. I, I think that about wraps it up for this episode, wouldn't you say, Magnus? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll be back in two weeks for another show. As always, um, mm -hmm. head to mandolinsecrets.com forward slash live for more information on how to keep up with the show. Um, like I said, we're on all the podcast platforms now and stuff. So find us on uh, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever you're using, and uh, give us a follow there. That's a really great way to support what we're doing. Um, do you have any other closing thoughts for us there, Magnus? No, I think that wraps up the things pretty well. So the last thing, I want to remind everyone there out there to stay inspired and be a music maker. 